0: price is not today's price Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. This is the Maverick podcast. I am your host, DJ Maverick. Today, we have the super talented marriage and family therapist, the one and only Kelly Morgan. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm
0: super excited to have you. Maybe for the 1% of the people out there that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Um, so like you said, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um I've been doing that for almost 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I've worked in a lot of different mental health settings. Um, I also teach dance. That's like my my first passion. Um, I'm also a certified yoga instructor. Very cool. Just some random, lots of random stuff. Awesome.
0: Where did you grow up? Did you grow up here in Oklahoma or where did you grow up?
1: I did. I grew up in Owasso.
0: Owasso. Northeast of Tulsa. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So all your life, Owasso, that's kind of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I pretty much lived at school, the dance studio. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So you in high school, you were all about the dance or like what kind of stuff were you into in high school?
1: Yeah, dance and school. Um, like I made good grades. I was mm. a nerd. <laughs> <And>
0: <laughs> Same.
1: A dancing nerd. And yeah. then um, uh, I grew up pretty religious too. I uh, was raised like super Catholic. So I was in church probably three days a week. Too. Okay. Wow. So. Okay.
0: Cool. So like, what was your sort of career projection? Like, what did you want to do? Like, you know, once you're done with high school, like you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. Were you like, I want to be a choreographer or like, where are we going?
1: Well, I, I wanted to go be a dance major, um, and maybe do something professionally with dance. Mm -hmm. Um, my parents, I think were trying to talk me out of that, which, um, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't do it at this point. You are usually you yeah. it's the
0: other way around. Usually, like, well, I probably should have explored that or something. But you're well, glad you didn't, huh? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, just, I, I really love what I do now, and mm-hmm. I'm still able to be involved in dance. But um, I think I, I loved being able to perform and be really involved. But um, I think for a lot of dancers, their careers only last so long. Yeah, it's, it's tough
0: on the body, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, like as we speak, I'm still feeling Monday oh, night oh class no. that I taught. So,
0: <laughs> so what type of dancing were you into? Were you into like uh, more of the traditional stuff, or like hip hop, or jazz, or like what kind of dance are we talking about?
1: Um, a little bit of everything. So uh, a lot of ballet. That was kind of like the foundation for the technique. Okay. Um, we did tap, jazz. Uh, yeah, like a lot of ballet. Okay. Um, and then once I got to college, there was a lot more hip hop.
0: Got it. And I've seen some of the ballet stuff. It's like super tough on your toes and like all the special shoes you have to wear. It's really Mm. tough. And then like, even like your diet, right? Like you have to be super conscious of your diet and all that, right?
1: Yeah. That wasn't a big factor for me until college. Um, and I think it, just because I was so active, Got it. Um, not that I ate that bad, but I didn't have to worry about yeah. it too much. Yeah, I had a few
0: friends. One of them was in the Nutcracker, and he was always yeah. like, "Dude, I have to like watch my diet, or the mm-hmm. Nutcracker is not going to happen. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to lose this spot." You know, yeah. so there's a lot of pressure on that. But what did your parents say? They're like, "Hey, maybe dance, maybe just keep it as a hobby." And like, what did they suggest, or what did you start doing? Was it on your own that you started exploring other options?
1: Yeah, so you know, they were just very practical about you yeah. know um the things that I could do long term and um I I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do um I actually started out as a, a as an education major. Oh, okay. And that lasted maybe a semester. That's uh, it. Yeah. I, <laughs> what made you change? Well, um I I was also interested in psychology. I'll never forget my AP psych class in high school mm-hmm. um and the teacher that I had. She was just amazing and it was a really interesting class just okay. to, to learn about, um, I guess, how how our minds work and yeah. just um, all of the different disorders. I, it was just mm-hmm. so fascinating to me. So you
0: were just kind of taking like your general prerequisites and then you mm-hmm. kind of just got hooked? Yeah. 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 Okay.
1: And then getting into college, I, I realized I really liked psychology. Okay. Um, I, I think... There was a factor. I I wasn't sure if I wanted to do the extra school, Mm -hmm. which is why I was looking at um, maybe becoming a a teacher. But then psychology just told me. So
0: if teacher would have happened, like what level do you think you would have wanted to go into? Elementary, middle school, high school, collegiate? Like where would you want to go?
1: Gosh. Probably high school. High school. I really enjoy. Like right now, I'm teaching high schoolers. Oh wow, that um, seems like
0: the toughest one out of the bunch. <laughs> they,
1: I I enjoy them. Yeah. I think they're fun. Um, and granted, I mean, I'm teaching a dance class of high true, schoolers. True. So they want to be there. Yeah. So I'm sure it's a little different with a classroom, but yeah, they're they're just a fun age. I really um I, I think they're really impressionable too, and they need. Mm probably more than just the curriculum. Like they Definitely. need some guidance.
0: and. Yeah. Where did you go to college?
1: Oklahoma State.
0: Oklahoma State. Okay. Yeah. So is that, I guess that's still a little bit of ways, right? So you kind of had to like move to campus. Did you mm-hmm. stay at the dorms and did the whole thing or what?
1: Yeah, yeah. I stayed in the dorms um, my, first, my first whole year and then okay. moved off campus with a friend for the rest of it.
0: Cool. One of the things that I sort of noticed when I was in the dorms was that you could tell which kids were, like, super, like, you know, restricted. Their parents were, like, super, like, you know, you got to be home. You can't do this. And then all of a sudden, like, they're there, freedom, and they go crazy, parties every day. You just described me. That's you? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I had a roommate that literally would go out, like, every day of the week, and then he would sleep throughout the whole day. Like, I only had him for a semester because then he flunked out. But, like, his parents were, like, super strict, right? So. Yeah. It sounds like maybe you explored a little partying in college. I did. I <laughs> yeah. did.
1: Um, I, like I said, I was a nerd in high school and yeah. straight A's. And then my first semester in college was straight B's, which was like...
0: That was like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So yeah.
1: I was like in trouble for that. Um, yeah. And so I got it together. It It was just a lot of freedom all at once to to try to figure out for myself. I always
0: struggle with that, right? So, like, if you're a parent, like, do you want to be strict but not, like, super strict, right? Because then they'll rebel, right? But you don't want to be best friend because then they'll just go crazy. So Mm -hmm. what is your suggestion? Like, what does a parent do, you know? It's super tough, yeah.
1: I mean, I think there's a middle ground, and that's hard for me to say because every parent and every kid is different. That's true, too, yeah. Um, But it's... I think it does have to be a balance, like either extreme Mm -hmm. is going to be potentially damaging. Yeah,
0: for sure. So did you have sort of like some internships along the way or like how did you sort of start getting some actual like practical like experience?
1: Uh, With psychology? Yeah. Um, So during undergrad, I was um, a graduate assistant and Mm -hmm. a teaching assistant. So I helped on a research project. Okay. Um. And then during my master's, part of that curriculum was to start seeing clients. Um, oh, really? It was okay. really cool. Um. At the time, it was really nerve wracking. So we had an observation room mm-hmm. where all of the students and professors were, and then there were on the outside of that um, therapy rooms with like a single like the glass where you can only see in one side. So
0: you're kind of like in a fishbowl kind of thing and everybody's taking notes while you're in there. Oh, wow. No pressure. No, no. (laughs) Which
1: later, like once you got the jitters out, it was so helpful. And I almost missed that, like just being able to have that kind of direct feedback. Yeah. But um, yeah. And then there's like a phone that everyone dreaded because if the professor calls you in the middle of session, like, you're doing really bad. Oh, really? Yeah. He's like,
0: all right, you're ejected sort yeah. of thing? Yeah. Or, like, okay. if
1: they have to intervene, like, it's it's pretty bad. So okay. you didn't ever want to get buzzed during yeah. the session.
0: What were the the patients like? Were they sort of, like, kind of, like, easy? Well, I don't know if easy is the correct word, right? <laughs> but, like, what kind of clients were you seeing? Was it, like, somebody that was sort of, like, entry level? Like, I don't know. Because I, I could imagine someone with, like, really deep, like, you know, conversations or something, if you're brand new to it, you know, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. So how do you sort of like gauge the experience level that's required, I guess?
1: Well, I think that is a big reason why we were so closely supervised early on, because Mm. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say there are easy clients, but it's it's really hard to screen. Yeah. Who those will be, because they might seem that (laughs) they might start that way. And then
0: second or third session, it's like, here's this bomb for you. (laughs) Right. Okay.
1: Um, so yeah, you, you just never really know what, what someone's going to bring into the room. Mm -hmm. Um, so we kind of, we're ready for everything. (laughs) Got
0: it. So you kind of aced that portion or did you have sort of like some tougher conversations that you had to surf through or what?
1: It was really tough. That program, it was extremely difficult. Um, but so rewarding because Mm. we, we were really encouraged to work a lot on our own stuff. Okay. Because you have to, like, you have to be aware of what you bring in. So
0: you have to share your personal stuff?
1: Um, so our cohorts were really small. Like, there were only seven other girls um, that I was in that program with uh-huh. in my class. And so just y- you end up sharing a lot. I like, see. they don't force you to. But, okay. like, you're encouraged to maybe go try some therapy on your own. Like, yeah. I think that's a great idea for therapists to know what it's like to be, like, in the other chair. Right. Definitely. Um, So, yeah. And just to be aware of like your own biases and the first time you start to hear other people's trauma when they really go deep into it, it can be like, whoa. (laughs) So even just processing with your peers or your professors what it was like to hear Mm -hmm. like something really horrific that that was really important.
0: Yeah, for sure. I could see definitely also like depending on your background, if you've never had exposure to some of that bad stuff too, like Mm -hmm. hearing about it for me anyways, it would be difficult to hear about that, right? So how do you navigate when you're hearing something that's really tough to hear, right? Like, and you, of course, you got to provide advice, you got to provide encouragement and maybe Mm -hmm. some possible solutions or ways to work through that, right? So how do you navigate those difficult situations?
1: So I think for me, at least, um, I kind of have my professional hat on Mm -hmm. during that hour and knowing it is just the hour um kind of helps get me through that sometimes so yeah. um you know when i'm in a session i'm i'm fully there for the other person and then um i kind of put my own reactions on the back burner until afterwards okay and um sometimes um uh, you know there might need be need to process a little bit of that mm-hmm. um i i think um uh, having a good support system uh, as a therapist is really important cuz Everyone, like no matter how long you've been doing this, you're you're always going to have a case that you need to consult somebody on. I see.
0: Okay, cool. So you did that for a while. And then do you remember sort of your first like uh, sort of gig after college? Like what was that? Because we were talking a little bit off camera about your work experience and how it was really diverse. Yeah. So maybe dive into maybe some of the, the work experience that you went into.
1: Um, therapy or non-therapy?
0: Both, I guess. Okay. It, it kind of all like – combines to make you and sort of like where you're at currently so I, i'd be curious to hear about both
1: um so during college i i worked as a server and a bartender at louis and stillwater okay.
0: and that's kind of like a therapist built in right yes. everybody tells your problems right yeah i <laughs> yeah. i joke
1: and tell people that was my first training yeah for sure a 1, yeah especially behind the bar like you're trapped <laughs> and you might they might get a three-hour session yeah I think, so um yeah there were there were a lot of good learning experiences with that mm-hmm. um and then
0: any crazy stories that you you want to share or you can I, share I, yeah I mean <laughs> I've got
1: a few people off it's, yeah. it, it's gotten a little rowdy but for the most part we aren't we weren't really the bar that everyone went and got okay. hammered at.
0: Cool. So night, it's not so. like, hey, I just cheated on my wife or something. What should I do? <laughs> like, And you're like, whoa, I'm just giving you a beer. No. <laughs> I,
1: I remember more of like my mess ups than any crazy people. Like One okay. time I managed to, I was delivering a pizza and managed to drop it face down on the table. And I still don't even know how I did that. <laughs> I just turned around and my manager was like, oh Uh-oh. my God. <laughs>
0: Were the people rude? Because I think sometimes people are really rude to like, oh yeah, you know, the service industry in general. You know,
1: there, yeah, there were some really kind, great people, and then mm-hmm. yeah, there were some very rude people. But yeah, again, like just kind of learning how to keep my poker face and be nice no matter yeah. what. I think that helps me with what I do now.
0: Too. Yeah, so that was kind of a little like, you know, crash one hundred and one mm-hmm. customer service dealing with difficult situations. Probably right. So yeah. You yeah. did that, and then, like, what was sort of the next step after that?
1: So um, that was during during college, and then during my last semester, I was only working on my thesis to graduate. Okay. So um, <clears throat> I I wasn't really seeing clients yet, um, but between driving back and forth to Stillwater and working on my thesis, I worked at Mahogany. Oh. Okay. Um, and so that was really fun too, just to do the more high end. Yeah, restaurant fancy industry fancy. oh yeah. yeah and uh I, that was just a blast because we got to taste everything so oh, wow. okay like if there was a new menu item or like we had we did a whole scotch tasting nice. or like there were a couple times that we would walk up to our first table like with a good buzz yeah. <laughs> <Our little pre-ship laughs> That sounds meeting. amazing
0: so you had to like taste everything on the menu to be able to recommend it or what
1: yeah, I think they did take yeah. us through and taste everything like okay. during our training. That's not a
0: bad deal. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> and all the, the liquor, too, you sort of like, you kind of became a, like, I don't know, I guess you were kind of already a bartender, right? So you're probably already familiar with different drinks at that time, right?
1: I was familiar with a lot, but... Uh, not so much the high-end stuff so mm. they we didn't have to try all of the liquor to recommend <laughs> it but we did have to learn about it yeah. but I enjoyed that I thought it was really fun to learn about the wine cool. and everything did
0: you become a, a wine what do they call us sommelier? sommelier no no? <laughs> no I'm not that
1: good <laughs> yeah. but um that was another class though <laughs> I had an elective uh my senior year that was like uh hotel and restaurant management okay and I was like the heck it was the like wine and spirits oh class really so that would have been cool every, yeah, yeah every Wednesday I got to go
0: okay some wine on so campus. you kind of like are familiar with like tasting some of the notes and describing mm-hmm. the wine okay
1: our final we we did a blind tasting it, it wasn't um I it wasn't like which Merlot is this it's like is this a Merlot a Pinot a yeah. Cabernet so.
0: okay you tell me because sometimes it, it seems like they're kind of BSing, right? But sometimes yeah. they're like, "Whoa, I get a hint of dirt or I get a hint of, like, bubble gum or something. Like, can you really taste all the different notes or are they just kind of, like, winging it? Like, <laughs> See, I don't
1: know. I've questioned that myself. Um, but there are people that are, like, I forget how many levels there are. Yeah, there's that different
0: you can, levels, yeah.
1: And I'm, I'm like, maybe I just don't have the palate. <laughs> yeah. It seems, like, BS, but maybe... Yeah. I just don't have whatever it is. Okay,
0: so. But could you, I guess, identify different regions or like what, like what level were you at? Like, Oh, no, well, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, All can, right.
1: I don't even know if I could still, I probably maybe could, but okay. I could tell you like, that's not a Cabernet. All
0: right. And the proper way. So you tell me you're supposed to swirl it. Yeah, right? there,
1: there's five S's. You, okay. It's uh, C swirl, sip smell, savor.
0: Okay. So the guy brings the bottle and he's always like, Hey, can you taste it Mm -hmm. to make sure it's okay? Right. So walk me through the steps. What are you supposed to do?
1: Um, so you look at it and they'll like tilt their glass so the light kind of shines through, and you see, like, the...
0: The legs, right? You're supposed to see, like, when it drips, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. but
1: first, like, you're looking at, ideally, against a white tablecloth to see, like, what color shines through. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I don't know why <laughs> that matters. but yeah. And then, yeah, you swirl, and you look at the legs. That tells you about, like, the... Alcohol content, I don't know. I
0: don't know, because I know that some swirl, like, down the glass slower than others, yeah. but I don't know what that means. So, usually, I just, like, swirl it, and, like, <laughs> okay, it looks good.
1: I'm mostly interested in how it tastes. <laughs> yeah, but then you're yeah. supposed to smell it, uh-huh. right? And so, you, like, swirl it, and you're supposed to, like, really stick your nose, like, yeah, all the way yeah. in there. Yeah. And then you sip, and I learned from my manager at Mahogany, you're supposed to, like, slurp it almost. Yeah. And, like aerate it yeah just to get all the flavor so
0: and then the guys that really do the tasting they spit it out right like they that's, spit it out and then they kind of do it again which i don't yeah. know yeah
1: <laughs> so the guy that taught my class in college he was like yeah the spit cups, i mean that's optional yeah um he was talking about how he went into tasting because he was like a level whatever mm-hmm. sommelier and he um was like just totally gone on his plane yeah. ride after <laughs> that he was like i should have used this bed cup you sometimes you have to use this
0: yeah cup. yeah that's that's funny yeah. i wish i had that skill because definitely every time they bring a bottle and they're like okay can you check it out i'm like mm-hmm. like it's great like i never yeah. say it's not right I, I wonder how many people actually say well you know it's not that great can you yeah. bring something else <laughs> <laughs>
1: like if i go out and you know, it's a fancy place and they do the tasting. Like I know Mm. how to look like I'm doing all the things, but I'm like, I just, how does it taste good? Okay. All
0: right. So (laughs) sounds like fake it till you make it and you'll be all right. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So tell me uh, as far as mahogany, you kind of did that throughout college too or what?
1: Um, it was just through, uh, like the end of my master's and then like a little bit after that, um, I still had some time. So I was like, I, I did a little bit of private practice early on and mm-hmm. then and then went and did something else, but I, I still worked at Mahogany for okay. a little bit. Okay,
0: so I'm kind of like leaning towards because I, I think you've had some experience in, in the prison, right? So yeah. So I'm wondering if maybe you sort of geared up before you went into that or if it was like, okay, like we're going straight into like <laughs> the yeah. most possible like dangerous situation ever or something, I don't know.
1: Well, um, after... I I tried private practice for a little bit and I decided I need something that's a little more stable and I need some other experiences before, before Uh, I do this. Um,
0: Stable as far as like number of clientele or. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: Like, and just financially. um, So after you graduate, there's a two minimum two year period where you're a candidate. So you're under supervision So I wasn't technically licensed for two years. I see. Um, And so it's difficult because you can't build insurance yet. Yeah. So it was just, it was a bad time to try to do private practice. How do you
0: get evaluated? Like if you're doing private practice, do they just like random checks or something? Or you have to go test? Or how do you get evaluated?
1: Um, Like while you're under supervision? Yeah. um, You have a licensed supervisor that you meet with. Once a week.
0: Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty intense then.
1: It can be because you'll, you have to do videos, uh, like recordings of your sessions uh, for your supervisor (laughs) to listen to. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, so during that period of time, I went to work somewhere where I would get a salary and like get, get more experience because you have to get a number, a certain number of hours too. Okay. So I went to Jordan's Crossing, which is an inpatient women's um, drug and alcohol abuse program. Okay very similar to what I did at the prison. Um, so that, that was tough
0: incarcerated there at the center or is it like,
1: so they're not incarcerated. A lot of them are court ordered to be there. Okay. Um, some of them are there voluntarily. Um, some of them, maybe DHS said you need to do this mm-hmm. uh, in order to get full custody of your kids. Okay. Um, so the women were living there, but, um, all, a lot of them also had their kids living there with them. Oh
0: wow. That's tough. Yeah. Oh.
1: It, I mean, it could be, but it was kind of neat, too, because as they're going through their own recovery, they get to mm-hmm. work on their parenting skills Okay. and kind of work on, um, you know, reuniting their family.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think the, the kids mm-hmm. sort of understood, like, kind of the situation that they were in, or did they kind of maybe just think it was normal just because that's kind of all they knew, or what do you think?
1: I think um, maybe depending on the situation, I mean, kids are pretty smart I know (laughs) so whatever mom was doing to get in there they probably already know what was happening yeah um and so that was important too to be able to give the kids a chance to talk about Mm -hmm. how how they were affected by everything
0: okay so you had to sort of like also work with the kids at the same time yeah uh
1: yeah we did a lot of that wow that's tough
0: too I bet right
1: It was, especially, um, in cases where there were abuse, Mm -hmm. um, that, that's always the, that's always been the hardest part of my job is, um, we're mandated reporters if, if the abuse is ongoing. Mm -hmm. So, um, fortunately I haven't had to do much of that, uh, since then, but that, that came up a lot, uh, Mm -hmm. in that situation, in that environment.
0: Got it. Did you ever have sort of a, a dangerous, uh, situation where somebody maybe got angry at you during that time. Yes.
1: Oh yeah. Um, (laughs)
0: tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So, well, for context, um, a lot of women are coming in, hopefully they've already detoxed. Mm -hmm. Um, but even if they have, um, just after being dependent on substances for so long, their emotion regulation skills are, are not what they used to be. So, (laughs) Uh um, Plus if there's any, um, mental health going on for them, um, we, I mean, they have access to a psychiatrist, so some of them were on meds, but, um, I did have some people experiencing psychosis and on my caseload. Um, so yeah, there were a couple times that I was, uh, yeah, and it's it just got you a and the
0: patient in a room that's sort of like locked down and like secluded from everybody else or if you do need help can someone sort of see that or what Yeah, people yeah.
1: can step in. Um okay. I I was in an office. This building was odd. I think it used to be a nursing home. Oh yeah. So there was um another clinician right across the hall. Like mm-hmm. we we had a whole hall, hallway of uh therapists. Okay. Um so so there was usually help close Got by. It. that's but good to know. <laughs> yeah, I've been uh like backed up against a wall yeah. and wow so they I got physical a, yeah, yeah not I mean no one ever put their hands on me but mm-hmm. they like you know slam their hand on my desk or wow. get pretty
0: close <laughs> yeah so, so how do you sort of stay that. stay cool or how do you like because I'm sure you don't want to show that you're you're scared right you right you want to remain calm too right because mm-hmm. it, if you elevate it right this is so this is another thing too people always say do you match their energy do you not match the energy what's what's the sort of like the recommended route there?
1: So we're, we're all about deescalating. Okay. Um, ideally as soon as they start escalating, we're, yeah. we're getting them down. Um, and sometimes like it's just, they're not going to, mm-hmm. um, and those situations are really difficult, but yeah, everything we're trying, we're doing is like, all right, let's sit down and talk. Yeah. Let's <laughs> like, I want to listen to what you have to say. Like, will sure. you sit down and tell me, Yeah. um, So a lot of just doing our best to Mm deescalate.
0: Was that sort of the sketchiest sort of experience you had where you were backed against the wall or did you have some other more dangerous situations?
1: Yeah, I remember um, I had to write somebody up for something and she came in and was like banging her fist on my desk. (laughs) I was like, oh. (laughs) Um, There there were some really just emotionally like heart-wrenching things too like um I mean it's a it's a rehab so I think most women in there are getting clean but there are still some that are struggling yeah maybe
0: I don't know if there's a graduation involved maybe they graduate from the Mm -hmm. program and then if they had a relapse right and then all of a sudden you you get you know to see them again that would be really tough for me yeah
1: yeah that that was hard but um you know I, I think it's just important that we're we're always there to give them hope like it's A relapse doesn't mean forever. Sure. You you know, you made the progress before, you can do it again.
0: Yeah. So that sort of like prepped you for the work going into the prison or like (laughs) what was I don't know if anything (laughs) prepared me for the prison.
1: (laughs) Um, So actually between that and the prison, I I got married um, toward the end of working at Jordan's Crossing. Okay. Um, My husband and I moved to Hinton. And so I got a job at Swasu and their counseling center. So I see that was I enjoyed that. I worked with college students for two years. Okay, they were a fun bunch. That um, was probably
0: more lower stakes, probably easier or no? You would think no, <laughs> uh,
1: no, not always. Yeah. Um, a lot of those kids um especially freshmen like just getting mm-hmm. out of the house uh, kind of like what we just talked
0: about yeah so like
1: oh there's freedom right
0: and nobody's there to tell you you know mm-hmm. go to sleep or don't drink or whatever it's yeah. like all the freedom in the world right? yeah,
1: yeah. Or, or leaving a really dysfunctional home and then yeah. getting out and being like oh my gosh i just survived 18 years of trauma <laughs> and now i yeah. have to unpack it somehow um, so there were some kids like on their own, really trying to deal with some stuff. So, um, but it, to me, that was such a perfect time to, for, for them to be getting treatment. Yeah. Like they're, they know that what they had been doing wasn't working. They know their family wasn't healthy and they want to figure out how to do it different.
0: Yeah. So that, that brings up a good question. How does a person know that maybe they should maybe reach out to a therapist, right? Like, especially in some cultures, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, you know, ha- going to therapy and all that has a stigma, right? Yeah. Like it, you, you should, I don't know. It's just not something that you should do or it's not common, right? They right. just like tough it out or whatever, right? Some cultures are like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't – first off, I think, you know, reaching out, getting help, um, it, I think sometimes people think that it's weakness, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something that was – Maybe learned in their family but yeah. um everyone goes through something at some point in their life and i think um it's a sign of strength to yeah. be able to be proactive and say you know I, i'm going to take care of this before it gets worse um so you so. think
0: that's just kind of like each individual kind of should know at what point maybe they should explore that or like how do you know right like if yeah. all your life you, you've been told like hey Boys don't cry. Be tough, right? All this stuff you hear growing up. Right. At mm-hmm. what point you're like, okay, maybe I should, you know, seek some help here. Yeah,
1: that. I don't know if there's a clear answer for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing, one issue. A person may be able to handle on their own and work through. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they uh, have more resources, a better support system. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the next person might encounter the same issue. And really need that extra help. So it's hard to say like X, Y, and Z means you right, need therapy. Right. It's always, it's
0: depends, right? It depends yeah. on the situation, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: But like, if you're having a hard time, like functioning at work or in your relationships, like if, mm-hmm. you know, something is just getting in the way of you thriving and being happy. I mean, there, there are all kinds of reasons that people come to therapy.
0: Yeah. I guess sort of the, the inverse of that is like, it's not going to hurt. right Right. so if you go and and you do explore that like i don't think there's any like bad outcome of that right if anything maybe you get to know yourself better and Mm -hmm. maybe why you do certain things right yes i don't know to me sometimes uh when i think about like why i work so much or why i'm always trying to set these goals or something sometimes i wonder maybe that's just trauma maybe that's just me like trying to like be the best that I can be trying to make people proud. My parents proud mm-hmm. because they, they gave up so much for us. Like I, I sometimes question that, right? Like why? Cause yeah. I see other friends. They're like, I'm just going to Netflix and chill. Right. And I'm like, I got all these <laughs> projects. I got to do all this stuff. So sometimes I wonder about that. Yeah. You
1: know? I, I think that, uh, that's a, very common topic that comes up like our, really? our families of origin and how they shape our beliefs. Yeah, for um, sure. yeah, families and like romantic relationships. Those are really significant relationships that, mm. um, have huge impact on us.
0: Yeah. And sometimes we don't know, right? <laughs> right? Like we grew up a certain way or like they instilled certain values mm-hmm. and then that sort of leads to your decision-making and you don't even realize it. Right. right?
1: Yeah. Um, so perfect example, um, just to get a little vulnerable for a second. Uh since I make my clients do it, maybe yeah. I should. <laughs> um whenever you reached out, I had just started my private practice. Yeah. And I almost didn't want to do this. Really? Okay. I so I've always either worked or been in school. Like I've mm-hmm. always been busy, always been just grinding. Same. <laughs> me. Like I'm, if
0: I'm not like doing something, I'm I feel like I'm slacking. Like I need to be doing something.
1: Yeah, yeah. so even though I was building my practice, I had left the prison, so I wasn't like going to work and bringing home money every day. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a lot of the behind the scenes building the practice. Yeah. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Oh my God. <laughs> oh, no. And like, I was crying at random things. Really? And I was like, what is happening? So yeah. I, it took a few, like maybe a week or two but. I realized that my self-worth is tied to my productivity. Yeah. And yeah. so like I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get a hold of this. Like yeah. I um I, I think I
0: may suffer from the same thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, but I didn't even know I believed that. Yeah. And then to step back and think, okay, I don't have to feel mm. that way. Like, I don't have to believe that. Yeah. So um, I
0: couldn't tell that over text. You sounded like you were excited, but oh, what was what were sort of like why were you second guessing? like coming onto the podcast just because you thought you weren't doing enough with your private practice or what?
1: Yeah. Just, I, I was in the moment when I wasn't seeing, I wasn't reaping the benefits yet. Like I, mm-hmm. I w I didn't have people banging my door down, which is yeah. normal at yeah, first. I mean, you're like
0: brand new business, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm in
1: my first, I would, I don't know when you reached out, but maybe, like, I'm in mean, my first two or three months. Oh, wow. So super uh, like, early. Yeah. yeah. Like, what am I expect?
0: Um,
1: but yeah. having just left the prison, that yeah. was a big decision. And so, um, yeah, I, it was weird to have that downtime yeah. and just feel stagnant. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, what am
0: I even going to talk about? I'm not <laughs> even
1: successful yet.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, I can definitely identify with that. But sometimes I'm envious with people that... Don't have to do that because there's people that are like, okay, I'm cool. Just doing, you know, eight to five and then that's it. Like, I don't, yeah. don't want to do anything extra. I'm just going to clock in, clock out. And then I don't want to do anything. It's like not even hobbies. Yeah. And I'm like, how? How do you? I'm, ne- I'm never content with that. Like, I got to mm-hmm. do something like it's whether it's a project or doing a hobby or doing something. Right. Because then if I'm not, I feel like I'm wasted the day. Yeah. So it sounds like maybe you're kind of similar to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So So, what's
0: causing that or should you even worry about that is my question.
1: Well, once I identified what was happening, I was like, okay, I know that's not healthy. And so I had to try to think about like what other things give me worth besides just bringing home a check and being super busy nonstop because part of why I wanted to do private practice was um, just To have more time, like...
0: Flexibility with your schedule and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And
1: then I couldn't even enjoy it.
0: (laughs) That's funny. It was weird. Yeah. The question that I have for you is in the prison environment, you know, it seems like it's super difficult. Some of those people perhaps have nothing to lose. So why not take it out on you? Mm -hmm. And then secondly, do you have sort of something to defend yourself? Right. So that's my sort of initial questions for that environment, because I think it's super difficult to be in that environment.
1: Okay. Well... Um, so I'll start with the person that, um, who I, I blame for me working Uh there. No, (laughs) just kidding. Not blame, but, um, a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Averett, she was my boss and, um, I met her before I started at the prison. We lived down the street from each other. And so she was explaining the job to me. And,
0: um, I'm curious how she sold this, like, Oh, it's great. So I know it's prison, but it's great. Don't worry about it. Well, yeah. So
1: I never, I never would have imagined myself working in a prison. Um, but she explained the drug treatment program Mm -hmm. and I was like, that's exactly what I did at Jordan's crossing. Okay. So it's the exact, it's called a modified therapeutic community. Yeah. So, um, the treatment happens, you know, all day, it's like very intensive Mm -hmm. and, um, there's a focus on the community uh, like them with on them helping each other. Okay. So we are there to facilitate groups, uh talk to people one-on-one when needed, but a lot of it is um by the community like I see. them working together. So um when you say people have nothing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> that that is partly true. That was one of the first things I remember learning in training is that mm. um you that we have everything to lose and they have everything to gain right. by compromising us. Yeah. And so there are, there were some inmates that I think, well, and even some that explicitly told us that they that was their plan. They oh, were no. going to play the long game and compromise stuff. Oh wow. This, this okay. individual this individual ended up in shoe. Um, <laughs> no surprise, but. <laughs> a lot of the guys though i'd say the majority are people who really want to change yeah. and don't want to come back they want to be better fathers and husbands and okay. um so i don't know and with the programs uh like the drug program it's voluntary mm-hmm. so they they do get mad at us like when we have to set boundaries I bet. but yeah. uh you know, they have the potential to get some time off of their sentence. Okay. And there are other perks to being in the program. Like, it's just a, it's usually, um, like, just a calmer unit. Got it. Because everyone on that unit is in treatment.
0: Okay. And you're not dealing with someone that perhaps doesn't have an opportunity to maybe have a reduced sentence? Like, is, uh, like, some people have, like, a life sentence potentially or No.
1: Um, when I was there, I never had anyone on, uh, in, in the program who had a life sentence. Okay. Yeah.
0: So it is to their benefit to go through the program. Maybe, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if it's a point system or whatever it's rated, yeah. right. To, mm-hmm. to prove that they, they're attempting to be a better person. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the point system, like there are a lot of things that they can do to lower their points. Mm-hmm. And, um, so just programming, I mean getting involved in all the programs, you can really spend your time productively in there if you want to. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, like the vocational training programs and things like that. Cool. Um, but yeah, the drug treatment program that was at the end of the sentence. So mm. they're usually doing that like right before they get out. Okay. So at that point they're usually on their best behavior anyway, cause they don't want to do anything to sure. prolong. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And my second question was, do you have something to protect oh. yourself, right? Because yeah. walk me through maybe sort of the room that you're in or something. I imagine mm-hmm. it's like you have to go through mo- multiple locked doors or something. Like there's there's all security in place, right? So if it's just sure. you and the patient
1: yeah. and
0: something goes down, like yeah. how do you defend yourself?
1: Um, I mean, there are a few things. Like we all have radios, pepper spray, um, yeah, we carry keys, so like if I want to go in a room and lock the door mm. and be by myself, I can do that. Um, but we are pretty much on the treatment unit, so they they have access to us a lot of the time. Okay. Um, uh, as far as just safety, I mean, I I would have guys in my office quite a bit just to come talk. Um, I. Honestly, I think Jordan's Crossing was a little more wild. Really? Like, oh wow! As far that's as, surprising. <laughs> as far as people threatening me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, as far when it comes to just incidents like, mm-hmm. uh, like fights and other big things like that. I mean, we are expected to respond to emergencies. Yeah. So there was maybe more of that kind of activity, but as far as it being directed at me, mm-hmm. um, I think I got less of it. Oh wow!
0: That's and surprising. And maybe
1: maybe that's also like men not wanting to attack women. Yeah. Um, also just with us being in more of like a helping profession, I think a lot of their anger was often geared more toward the the officers or mm-hmm. the other people that made them mad.
0: Got it. So I was told that you sort of developed um, some street cred because of a nickname. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know if you want to share <laughs> that nickname, but I've heard that sort of like that nickname kind of gave you some street cred all of a sudden.
1: K-Money? Okay,
0: no. I don't was, know. I, don't I, know. I was just told that you had no. a nickname and it gave you some
1: some uh, street cred
0: there all of a sudden at the prison. I, <laughs> I have
1: acquired some weird yeah. <laughs> and random nicknames over the years. I just re, I remember K money and Will K. Okay. <laughs> but all I right. don't know who gave me. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't remember the stories all behind right. those. Okay,
0: that's just something that, that I heard, so that's okay. funny that I heard that.
1: Yeah, but I know where yeah. you heard
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Okay. So never any sketchy situation. It sounds like you were kind of like had a, a, a respect, right? Like from, from the people there. And yeah, yeah. For,
1: for the most part, it was a pretty positive experience. Like I, I wouldn't change it.
0: All right. So tell me about this brave program. Uh, it sounds like it's an acronym. So maybe tell me what that stands for and then what the program entails.
1: Okay. Um, so brave stands for Bureau rehabilitation and values enhancement. Um, it's for first-time federal offenders. Um, they're usually younger. Like a, we had a lot in their early twenties. Oh
0: wow! Really um, young. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, and usually toward the beginning of a longer sentence. Mm-hmm. So um, that program <laughs> was a little different. Um, it it was new, so um, I was involved in activating the program. Okay. Um, and that was. <laughs> That was ru- it. Was a little rough. I'm not really? gonna lie. Um, what about it? Uh, just kind of having chaos and trying to move it toward order. Mm, okay.
0: <laughs> and if they're younger, they're probably like still in a rebel phase, maybe trying to prove themselves or something, maybe or no.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um. So some had done time, like maybe in state or mm-hmm. other prisons. Um. And so there were some that were interested in programming and there were some that were definitely interested in like, uh, gang affiliation and continuing their, their current lifestyle. (laughs) So, I mean, we did our best to, you know, really help them understand what they could do to make their time productive um, and stay out of shoe.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So you were kind of responsible for the curriculum and like what the program entailed or you were setting it up, right?
1: Yeah, the curriculum was already established. Okay. So I was doing a lot of what I did in the drug program, like facilitating groups and things like that. Got it. So okay. for me, I think it was just such a, a difficult adjustment because I went from guys at the end of their sentence who are mm-hmm. like, "Let's let's get this done and get yeah, out," and happy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like really like let me figure my life out so I don't have to come back. Mm-hmm. And then guys that are just arriving. Um, Still pretty young, yeah, <laughs> and they're just trying to figure things out.
0: Um, and I bet if you're arriving, anyways, you're probably trying to prove yourself, and you don't want to look weak, right, in yeah. front of everybody else. So yeah. they're probably like doing things that aren't the smartest at the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, several, yeah. several of them are making not great choices. So. Yeah,
0: you know, you talked about all of a sudden you have a private practice. Uh, the, the leap from going, you know, to something that's steady, you know, the income is there, paycheck, right? And taking that leap to mm-hmm. doing your own thing, that's always a scary thing. So yeah. maybe walk me through like what led you to that you know decision mm-hmm. and how'd you go about like making that jump? Because I always think that jump is the hardest thing.
1: Yeah, it, it was a really difficult decision um, and a scary jump. Uh, right now I'm really happy I did it. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, but there were a few things. So with the prison... Um, overall it was a great experience and I met some really, really awesome friends, um, mm. that I think I'll be friends with for a long time. Um, and just like the knowledge and the experience was amazing. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't realize it at first, but especially looking back now, I could see that it was affecting me outside of work. Okay. Um, so even though I didn't have people trying to attack me or anything, like overall it was safe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just always listening to the radio, having to respond to emergencies, just like always the idea that something could happen at any moment. You're always kind
0: of like tense, right? Or just kind of like on your toes all of a sudden, right? Yeah.
1: And especially that last year in the Brave program, my office was in a cell on the unit. (laughs) Really? Yeah. So they, I mean, they could just come in there anytime. Jeez. And I don't know how you did it. (laughs) I don't
0: know. (laughs) Usually people are trying to like, Break out of prison, right? But you're going every day yeah. into prison. <laughs>
1: well, I did break out, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a lot. Like, it was mm. always noisy. And mm. so I felt so mentally drained by the time I got home. Yeah. And uh, just it, that's a switch that's really hard to turn on and off. That, mm. like, hypervigilance and, like, always being ready for, for right. something. Um, so I I just didn't want to do that long-term yeah um I didn't does want it
0: sort of like cause you to lose hope in humanity in certain aspects right because if you're seeing always like the worst in people and the worst situations and hearing about all this stuff are you kind of like okay we're doomed <laughs> as a I, society or no are you like okay because to me it would be like hearing all this negative stuff it's mm-hmm. like geez like can I trust anybody you know yeah
1: I I think it made me more skeptical of people on a healthy level. Okay. Because I think growing up, I kind of grew up in a little like bubble, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just kind of like privileged and really not having to worry about like I would just go to school and church and dance every like that yeah. was it. So yeah. I was very trusting of people maybe too much. Mm-hmm. And so I think it it was maybe good to see the other side of things. Yeah. But uh, like as far as losing hope in humanity, I think if anything it uh like gave me hope for people.
0: Really? Okay.
1: I, the the prison and the rehab um there were just really high highs and really low lows. Mm-hmm. So there there were individuals at both places that you're just like oh my god <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah you
0: think you're having a monday right yeah. A bad monday like all of a sudden <laughs> yeah here comes you know this one guy or whatever that's yeah a jerk or whatever
1: yeah right? i mean like there were some guys in there truly committed to just being their worst selves yeah, um but the the other side of that was just the dramatic transformations on the other end
0: but now sort of what you're doing with your private practice mm-hmm. it's like more family marriage oriented or like what type of like sort of services do you provide?
1: So I, um, I will see a lot of different presenting issues. Mm -hmm. Um, but I specialize in trauma and treating couples. Okay. So that's basically my whole caseload right now is couples and, uh, people working through some trauma.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. And I, that's what I really enjoy. That's like that's what I'm marketing because mm-hmm. that's um, those are the things that I think are really rewarding that I want to do. Yeah. Um, kind of going back to your question earlier about making that jump to private practice, I always saw it as being more of like a retirement plan. Okay. And so it was scary, but also really exciting to think I can just go ahead and do that right now. Why don't Why do I need to yeah. wait?
0: Yeah. Sometimes people like wait and put off things, and then all of a sudden they run out of time. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So So you
0: just like went for it. You like found an office Mm -hmm. and you're like, I'm going to do it. And then sort of, how did you sort of spread the word and like start gaining some of those clients?
1: So I, I have a really great support system in the therapy community. Like I'm in touch with a lot of other therapists and have just stayed in touch with people because I've had all these jobs. (laughs) Um, So I, I let people know, um, And a lot of the therapists that are also in private practice Mm -hmm. that have been for a while are on waiting lists like they're they're full. So I got referrals from them. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then psychology today, um, I get a lot of referrals from there as well. So I have a listing there.
0: Awesome. So it sounds like the majority of your cases are couples. How does interaction work? Right. Like you can't take one side or the other. Right. Right. how, How do you go about that? So
1: yeah, I do my best to be non-biased. It's a lot of like restructuring their interactions. So not so much letting them start a topic and run with it. Like we're not gonna decide who's right about this thing. Okay, we're gonna look at the way you guys interact because when couples have been together for a while, there's a cycle or like a pattern that mm-hmm. they, they get stuck in Got just, it. we get so used to the way we interact, um, in relation to the people in our lives that yeah. we get these patterns that are just entrenched. And mm-hmm. so sometimes those aren't healthy. Um, so it's a lot of looking at those patterns, talking about how they can do things differently. Um, okay. and usually, uh, or often that will take care of a few problems. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you find that sort of you uncover maybe the source of what's driving some of that behavior? Because we were talking about it earlier, like some of your upbringing, you know, maybe like the the relationships that you were exposed to mm-hmm. as a kid. Maybe you thought that that type of interaction was normal. Yeah. Right. So maybe that has a to lot to, to the shaping of like what type of relationship you're going to have. Definitely. Do you think that's sort of a driver? Yeah. yeah.
1: We, we have a lot of conversations like that. Okay. Um, Why does why does he do this? Why does he always say you know? And so, well, we'll talk about that. (laughs) Why do you do that? And I mean, almost all my couples, we end up talking about the families they grew up in. And Mm. I think that helps to like the other partner to not vilify them. That it's not like they're doing this to you. They're doing what what they've known their whole life. And the fact that they're both there tells me that they're willing to change some things yeah so
0: and is that sort of the optimal route is to have everybody in the same room at the same time or is it preferred to have them separate and have sort of a a more deep conversation with each individual
1: i start the very first session with a couple by talking to them one-on-one but after Mm -hmm. that it's almost always uh together Uh, okay i think we get more done and yeah i don't want it to ever turn into like a Secret keeping situation. Yeah, but you don't um,
0: think that well, I don't know. This is me. <laughs> but I, I would think that maybe I would hold back, right? Like if I don't wanna hurt that person's feelings or something, mm-hmm. maybe I'm not gonna be as honest. Like if it was just you and me talking, I don't know, maybe that's just me.
1: Yeah. Uh that happens sometimes, but usually I, I'm just thinking of the couples I have right now, a lot of them. Uh, maybe should be more afraid of hurting each other's feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so like they, right. they've had... So just like <laughs>
0: let it out. Like they're just like super vulnerable.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there there are some that are on the opposite side of that spectrum. Like they hold yeah. back and so they don't have the important conversations that need to be had because uh-huh. they don't want conflict. But then there are the other ones that I'm like constantly stopping them and jumping in and like Yeah. time out, time out. Like Why are, we're yelling again. How did that right. happen? <laughs>
0: Do you sort of like, you know, we we're talking about in the prison that that sort of was affecting you. Right. Like mm-hmm. so hearing all these problems, too, does that have any effect or can you sort of unplug like, you know, and not take it out on your personal relationships yeah. outside of work?
1: I I find that what I'm doing now, it unless it's just a really rough session um, or like some really, you know, Awful, traumatic stuff comes out that's hard to hear. Uh, yeah. It's it's usually not too difficult for me to leave it at work. Okay, and I think that's partly because I'm I'm seeing them once a week at mm. the most. Um, so I know that they they're managing like they're going out and functioning like their marriage isn't perfect, but like we're just gonna work on it. Um, and at the prison, like I saw the same clients for forty hours a week. Yeah, that's like, true. Like they were there all the time, <laughs> yeah, every day, and so it was harder sometimes to go home and not think about it because like you're there with them for so much time. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So where can people find you? Go ahead and maybe plug in your social uh, media. I don't know if you have a website, like, you know, go ahead and plug in everything. If people like, what, what type of services uh, do you provide? You know, if someone is looking for X Mm -hmm. help, like what, what type of services are you, are you offering?
1: Okay. Um, so, like I mentioned, uh, couples therapy right now I'm working primarily with adults. Okay. Um, and then as far as trauma, there are a lot of different, um, treatments for trauma. I use cognitive processing therapy. Um, it's evidence-based, it's backed in research and it's, um, it's pretty effective, okay. uh, for a lot of people. So, um, yeah, I, those are kind of my, my specialties, but uh-huh. I also treat anxiety, depression, um, other things. Okay. <laughs> so, Where can people find you? Um, Psychology Today. If you uh, go there and search uh, Kelly Morgan, uh, I'm my office is in Yukon. Okay. My website is kellymorganlmft.com.
0: Okay. We are getting the signal here that we're running out of time. Okay. But I heard that you one time you serenaded some celebrities. I definitely want to hear about that.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, so. When I was in college, uh, dancing at OSU, so we danced at all the football, basketball games, and um, I think it was my senior year, they got a few of us to walk around up in the suites to say hi to all the all the important people. Nice. <laughs> and so we're it was me and maybe three or four other people, and we are walking into one of the suites, and they said, "Hey." Uh, Garth Brooks and Tricia Yearwood are in here. You're going to okay. sing her happy birthday. No
0: pressure. It's just like, Garth Brooks and Tricia Yearwood. No no pressure at all. Yeah, so
1: we all look at each other like, um, what?
0: Did they know you had a singing background? Like, you, I don't have a singing background. No.
1: Like, they know we're dancers, not singers. Yeah. And so we get in there, and it's just so awkward because we're looking at each other like, who's going to be the first one to drop a note and let them hear how bad we are. (laughs)
0: And it's a cappella and the people that you're serenaded. They're singers, professional singers.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So I know that they know that we're all worse singers than them. Like that's Mm. what they get paid for. But yeah, it was... It was just so weird. I don't know who thought that was a good yeah, idea.
0: But it went okay? It turned out okay? Or I, what? I felt like it yeah. was extremely awkward.
1: <laughs> um, but at least I can I can put that on my resume, yeah. I guess.
0: Did you get a, a selfie or anything with Garth Brooks? No, or no? no? no we okay. didn't have
1: our phones. But cool. yeah, I just have my embarrassing story. Nothing, awesome. <laughs> no cool pictures. Yeah, that's a
0: cool story. <laughs> So we'll definitely have to invite you back because we didn't get into the dance stuff and the yoga stuff. Oh, shoot. We ran out of time. Totally, right? So, you know, you're always welcome anytime you want to come back, especially once you get your practice, you know, I'm sure it's going to flourish. And, you know, I think you should definitely explore social media and doing that because I think a lot of people might find you that way. Right. So that's just my tidbit. No, I appreciate (laughs) it. I'm a big fan of that. So definitely recommend that. that. So. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you so much. This was a pleasure.
0: Awesome. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Kelly Morgan on the Maverick Podcast. Keep grinding because in dreams we trust.